Hey everybody, it's Jeremy Allen here. On Shattered, we look back on some of the biggest stories from Michigan's past and re-examine them. But today, I'm going to tell you about something that happened very recently. Sunday, May 31st, in downtown Detroit. And the following contains explicit language and violence. These signs, they say so much. No peace. No racism. No peace. No justice. No peace. No racism. No peace. No justice. A peaceful protest marches through the city streets. People of all colors and ages united with a singular message. No, you're good. This protest, this living, breathing, chanting, emotional group of people converge onto Detroit police headquarters. They stand toe to toe with a line of police. At one point, police deputy chief Todd Bettison takes a knee with protesters and says, quote, we want you to protest, end quote, but then makes it very clear that the police and city officials also don't want any damage done to the city. The protesters cheer, and it seems like they respect that notion. But at 8 p.m., the curfew goes into effect. Many protesters are gone, but a lot still remain. Warnings are given, and the police officer's patience is replaced with tear gas and flashbangs. It is currently 8.51, so past curfew time. Police are walking by. I'm not sure if you can hear that. From my vantage point, there are two lines of police. One about 10 feet in front of me, another a couple hundred yards away on one of Detroit's main thoroughfares, Michigan Avenue. That's where the crowd is running from police. That's where smoke appears to be rising from the streets. And that's where tear gas canisters spew gas into the air. I start to walk toward the group on Michigan Avenue. Police are moving at a slow pace. I see protesters throwing things back at the police line. But from this distance, I can't make out exactly what's being thrown. Later on, people would tell me it was water bottles. As I walk behind the line, I see canisters from the tear gas all over the street. Shooting off round after round of tear gas. The march moves past the FBI building, where I see shattered glass panes above the entrance doors. And that's damage from this weekend, I've been told. Homeland Security agents pace the front doors. Assault rifles hang from their shoulders. Everyone seems calm at this point. But the scope of police presence is astonishing. It's pretty surreal. Crossing over to the other side of Michigan Avenue, I catch up with co-workers Victor Williams and Zach Lawler. They're covering the events for WDIV-TV. As Victor tapes a segment, I look down the street, past the line of police. There's only two or three people walking down the street right now. One's on a knee, the other one has his, now they're both, both in the center of the street, just took a knee. And police keep tapping their shields. I don't know if that means that they want them to come forward or if they're much for telling them to go back. But there's only a small number of people 
that remain out here that are facing down the cops. Most of them look to be about a block, block and a half away. You can hear that truck growling next to me, right? It's a huge Detroit police riot truck. The authorities are armed and armored to the hilt. Guns at the ready. The crowd has thinned, but that doesn't mean that everyone has gone home. Those two guys in the middle of the street, you've been seeing a lot of that. What's up? Those two guys are just on their knee with their hands up in the air, down there, all the time. The police begin their march again, driving back yeah. demonstrators. That one Hummer that came down totally spooked the other protesters. They took off. It's backing up now toward the line. I'm standing about, well, they're on the other side of an intersection, so about 25 feet away from me. They're all um, in the one single line few guys behind them. The march continues down Michigan Avenue. Shells from the tear gas shots litter the street corner at Cass and Michigan Avenue. There's a sound associated with authority at this point, and it's a rhythmic drumming sound, which is done when police bang their shields with their batons. Add that with the sound from above, which is the helicopter watching over everything. It sounds ominous, even menacing. Cross over here. The smoke? That's tear gas. Woo! Tear gas is definitely getting me. Woo! You can feel that sting. Oh man. Yeah, that's right. I have tears streaming down my face right now, as do the others <laughs> around me. We crossed through that intersection at Michigan Avenue and Washington Boulevard, and we're following about 200 yards behind police. There are people A lot of people screaming at the cops. That? Over to the left, there's people running. Lots of people angry, obviously, with the cops. They're screaming at them. Um, there's a canister here. Oh, there's an arrest right there. Hey, Zach, there's, yep. We get closer. Air is pretty thick still with tear gas. Either that or I'm just a big baby. This looks like three people. 
being arrested. More at the car over there. There's another one. One of the guys sitting against the storefront on the ground, hands cuffed behind his back, is screaming at the police. I believe he's screaming, we're white, we're white. He keeps going. Right now, one of the arrested people down here is he was beat up pretty bad by the officers. He's pretty angry, obviously. The guy screaming at police appears to be white. The officer he's addressing is white. I wasn't there when all this started, but it sounds like the guy yelling on the ground is saying he shouldn't have been arrested because he's white. Down the block is a Detroit police van, and that's where these people will end up, at least for the time being. They're being rounded up, all of them curfew breakers. Witnessing these arrests have put me and the reporters we've been walking with way behind police lines. We take Washington to Park Avenue. Strange, it's almost like this, it's almost like Woodward's unaffected. <laughs> Something in the park over here. Something's going on in the park. Cops are on the move in Grand Circus Park. That cop car flew around to get this person, so I don't know what happened, but there's another another arrest here in the park. You got your uh, credentials on you? Walk over to my car and I gotta get it. This officer brings a woman, fully prepared, in a gas mask to a squad car. Oh, wow. Detroit News, Christine McDonald, right there, being arrested. Some of the media we've been walking with in the streets is able to identify the woman in handcuffs as Detroit News reporter Christine McDonald. She nods when her name is called, and the officer continues to speak with her. Everyone tries to vouch for her, trying to help. This is a member of the media who was put in handcuffs, but I think maybe getting released right now. <laughs> so she's actually, the officer is freeing her. So it's pretty, pretty remarkable that a member of the media was just freed. Stop living so dangerous. So dangerous. I know. <laughs> I was in the shadows, apparently. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That was new. <laughs> Reports all over the nation outline the targeting of media personnel by police.
According to one report by Neiman Lab, journalists have been attacked by authorities at least 100 times in a four-day period. I, you know, I've never had that cold steel on my, uh, our, <laughs> you know, wrist, so. Uh, That's your first time? Uh, yeah. Even at MSU as a student, I work. <laughs> No, the rest of the media surrounds Christine, and she looks rattled, but she answers our questions. And you did nothing wrong, right? <laughs> no, I was filming from afar. I was not interfering at all, and he arrested me. So. What did he say before he let you go? Um, that he, I gave him my information. He said he believed me, so he let me go. You think us walking up saying that we knew you helped? I don't know. Yeah. Just he asked me what I, if I was going to be leaving after this, and I said, no, I'm going to be doing my job and covering this event. So. And he didn't have a problem with that? Uh, initially he did, but I told him that, you know, DPD has obviously told us that we're, we're immune from this um, curfew. curfew. Thank you. Yeah. You had told so him did you get before a... the cops were put on that you were passed? Um, it happened simultaneously, but I do have my ID. And, and I, um, but, you know, he wanted to have me on this side before, I don't know, you know. He let me go, so. Do you think Sorry. he treated you a little more gentle because you were white? Because we don't get treated that gentle. Right. I, I followed. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. Your no, name. Uh, I have no idea. It's And um, I know it sounded like you were definitely experienced something different than I did. So McDonald is referring to another member of the media standing yeah. alongside yeah. us. He's black. And by all accounts, he was not treated near as kindly as McDonald was just one night before. So I'm glad we were all there. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really don't want y'all to witness. I want somebody to feel the pain. Yeah. But I don't want y'all to witness what we witnessed. No. Because that, like the guy was over there screaming to me, I was too tight. Yeah. You know, I don't want y'all to feel that. You know, as much as it hurts the hell out of us, you know, it pains us. And I said, even on my live feed, I said. You see, they treating her different. He literally walked you and then he let you go. They never let us go. We take a left down Adams and we see some more police activity. This is on the other side of Grand Circus Park. Go home! An officer yells, go home. And I think it's directed to me. The police are frustrated. Their job is to clear the streets of people. And the media, we don't always look like the media. We're holding up cell phones, just like a lot of people. And I think it gets confusing to officers. This particular officer yelling at me, he comes directly to us. We're media. Of course. No, your driver's license. Uh, Avanti, Avanti Mota and Lady Lamedia, online broadcasters. I'm on Channel 4. My crew's right there. Yes. I was on Facebook Live. The officer, writing my name down, turns his head away from me, and he hands my license back to me. Thank you. I'm good. I just need one of you. This whole scene unfolds near a white Chevy, which looks like it was about to pull off the curb, but was stopped by several police officers. There are two young women in the front seat. 
were told by a witness that they initially refused to leave. The cops got angry and then cornered them. The woman behind the driver's seat is taking a video, and the woman in the passenger seat is talking to the police, although at this distance we can't make out what's being said. One of the officers comes over to casually chat with us. Hey, make sure you get that side of that car. Look what we had to deal with, you know? And then, for some reason, which was never explained to us, the car pulled out and left. And just like that, they were gone. No arrest made, a pleasant goodbye. But let's go back to this comment. That's a major part of this. The officer points out that these two women weren't from the city. The leaders of cities like Detroit are trying to keep their people and businesses safe. Many have made the point that huge numbers of protesters are not even from the city they're protesting in. Cranes Detroit actually just reported that 70% of arrests made were made on people that don't live within city limits. It's late. It's 10.15 and we don't see a lot of people out in the streets. That was a police car that surprised us. We head back to the TV station. Yeah, you too. Yep, see you guys. Sorry, can we get that? No, you're good, dude. There was tear gas, flashbangs, and yes, there were arrests. The plans put in place by police and city government were carried out, and violence and destruction was mitigated. This was just one night in Detroit, a night during a pandemic. A night during a time filled with confusion and anger. A night that ended better than it could have, but maybe worse than it should have. Stay safe, everyone.